Hosanna. Christ is the King. Uh, this week is Passion Week. We kick it off with today with Palm Sunday as we have waved our palms celebrating the entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem. So we have a Monday Thursday service. We're going to have Monday Thursday, 7 o'clock out here, 7 p.m., Monday Thursday service. Easter sunrise service we'll have on Easter Sunday, which is next Sunday, at 7 a.m. in the cemetery. So please be aware of that, and we'll have our normal service uh, at 11. Uh, we have the Stations of the Cross that are set up around you this morning. These are the Passion Narratives. These are the narratives that go on and happen this week. How Christ makes his triumphal entry all the way to the cross, the tomb, and the resurrection. So if you have a chance or have a moment, feel free to come out here and walk through those. Uh, invite your friends, invite your co-workers to come out with that. There is no time limit on any of that. You kind of take your time as you go through and experience what Jesus did as he suffered this week. We also have our prayer labyrinth that is out on the basketball court. Um, so if you just want to come out and have some prayer, some time with God, you're welcome to come and walk in and walk out with that. The instructions are on the post out there of kind of how that works. Or you can just come sit here on the, underneath this beautiful space and just spend some time with God this week as we prepare for the coming. So we prepare for the death and resurrection of Christ. So let us uh, open with prayer. So let us pray. Holy brother, you have come in God's name and for our sake. You have entered our souls in moments of shouted hosannas and waving cloaks. And you have come just the same to our late nights and our confused hearts. Come to us again, dear one, and let us follow you. Let your name be on our tongues and in our hearts. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So our song of preparation this morning is all glory, laud, and honor.
We now take time to lift up our joys and our concerns, things that we can celebrate together and things that we can pray for with and for one another. So what things do we have this morning to pray about? I will be getting the newest and updated list out this week uh, and have copies here next week for that. Uh, so please keep an eye on your emails and on Facebook uh, for that, um, that list. Um, we have many on that list, and we are thankful for all the prayers that have been going up uh, for each and every name on that list. So let us take our joys and concerns, those names that are on heart, to the Lord in prayer this morning. Let us pray. Gracious God, we come once again in worship. We come in a time that is weird and awkward. We come in a time of maybe some sadness and sorrow and joy and celebration. But Lord, we come and bring these things to you. We thank you for the blessings that you have given us. And Lord, we are thankful for the things that you have done for our loved ones, our families, our friends, our country. And Lord, as we prepare for this week, our prayers become even more fervent. Not only for healing across this land, but healing within ourselves. And Lord, as we reflect on the passion of our Lord and Savior, on the suffering, on the death, and the coming resurrection. Open our hearts, open our minds, open our eyes and our ears to see the true Christ, to see the way that Christ sees, to love the way that Jesus loves us. So Lord, we come this morning with our petitions, but we come also and we join with the heavenly choir, with the saints and the sinners who have gone before us and with the saints and the sinners who are gathered this day. We join them in praying the prayer that you taught us to pray, Lord, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we continue to thank God for the many things that He has given us, we are thankful for the tithes, the offerings, and the gifts that are given to Lovejoy and its ministry. So let me offer this prayer over our tithes, offerings, and gifts. Let us pray. Gracious God, you have given us blessing beyond measure. 
hearts of mercy, hands of grace, and the presence of Christ in our souls and in our lives. We can never repay what we have received, so help us carry it forward. May we use the gifts of hearts and hands to sustain the weary in the word and in deed. May we be awakened to all who long for God's peace and have courage to walk with them. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So our text this morning is the triumphal entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem, and we're pulling this story this week from Mark. We are in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11. All four Gospels have the story of Jesus' entry, but the lectionary this year sends us to Mark, chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. So when Jesus and his followers approached Jerusalem... They came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. Jesus gave two disciples a task, saying to them, Go into the village over there. As soon as you enter it, you will find tied up there a colt that no one has ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, Its master needs it, and he will send it back right away. So they went and found a colt tied to a gate outside on the street, and they untied it. Some people standing around said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they told them just what Jesus said, and they left them alone. They brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes upon it, And he sat on it. Many people spread out their clothes on the road, while others spread branches cut from the fields. Those in front of him and those following were shouting, Hosanna! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem, and went into the temple. After he looked around at everything because it was already late in the evening, he returned to Bethany with the twelve. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, as we have come this day, we ask that you let us hear your words, your message. Let us hear the story that Jesus is telling us in the scriptures and in the message. So may the words of your servant's mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The story of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. It's a story that we as followers of Jesus know. And it marks the beginning of Jesus' final days. 
It is a passage of celebration. And it is also a passage that leads to the coming suffering. This is not the only story in the Bible of a celebrated entry into the city. You see, the acts of Jesus' followers that we hear in verse 8 are reminiscent of honors accorded Israel's past rulers. Throwing garments on a colt and on the road in front of the colt reminds us of the royal anointing of Jehu and how Israelites placed their garments on the steps before him in 2 Kings. We also have the writing of the cult, which may or may not have called to mind Zechariah 9, verse 9. It would also be reminiscent of Solomon, David's son, who rode his father's mule and was proclaimed king in 1 Kings. So another point of all of this that shows royalty is that of this cult. The cult was one that had never been ridden. Now this does not mean it was unbroken and therefore potentially difficult to ride. It could have been used to carry baggage. So maybe Mark's point in mentioning this detail probably maybe has to do with Jesus' honor. You see, that is, the animal on which Jesus rode was not a common one. It was special. And according to the Mishnah Sanhedrin, chapter 2, verse 5, no one may use an animal on which a king rides. It's a Jewish law. So Jesus, his procession parodies that of a conqueror entering the city in a display of power, maybe. See, Roman generals returning from victories would be celebrated with triumphus, a grand procession in which the victor, crowned with laurels, would ride a chariot pulled by white horses and go to the temple to offer sacrifices. The spools from his victory would be displayed in the procession, and along the way, the crowds would sing hymns and shout acclamations to the victor. Now, this display was something that the people knew and participated in. Jerusalem was under Roman rule. And when Roman gladiators and Roman soldiers came back from their victories, these were the things that would happen in Jerusalem. But what were their expectations of Jesus? They maybe have heard the stories or maybe even witnessed what Jesus could do. Did they expect Jesus to take control away from Rome and restore the glorious kingdom? Did they believe they were escorting in a conqueror, a king, the one who would end this Roman occupation? Well, the gospel writers tell us that Jesus rode, Jesus chose to rode into the city on that colt. Some translations call it a donkey. But this is the animal that princes rode when they wish to signify peaceful 
intention. So Jesus then is depicted as coming in peace. And not coming to conquer, but to teach the ways of peace. Not coming to resist the forces of his own destruction, but allowing them to gather strength against him. See, Jesus entered in peace the way that a non-conqueror would, the way a prince would, because he knew his kingdom was not of this earth. So Jesus' entry was much, much different. Jesus' entry lampoons the political powers through carefully planned carnivalesque military procession, procession into Jerusalem. You see, Jesus has made the arrangements for this event. Things were going to happen the way things were going to happen because Jesus knew they would and made sure they would. He arranged for the cold and even provided signals for the disciples to use with the people watching the cult. Jesus knows exactly what he is doing. Jesus has always known what he is doing. Exactly. In the healings, he knew what would come out of it. In the interactions with authority figures, he knew what, the, what would happen in that interaction. Jesus calculated every move and word that he said. Now, we have to expand our understanding so it may be difficult to hear new ways of things. But this is the challenge. This may challenge our currently understandings of Jesus. And it's okay to challenge what we already know. Because if we don't challenge what we already know, we never learn. We'll never gain more knowledge if we stay stuck where we're at in our belief and our faith. We must grow. And to grow, we have to be pruned. We have to be nurtured. We have to let go of some things, and we have to take other things and pull them apart and put them back together. It requires work, and it requires action. And Jesus put in a lot of work and a lot of action. You see, Mark, the Gospel of Mark, was meant to be read to assemblies of believers in Jesus as Messiah and Son of God, who needed to understand what it meant to be followers of a Lord who was crucified. Jesus and the reader, hearer of the story, knew something that the other persons within the story do not seem to know. We know what the end is. We know what's coming. Now Jesus tried to tell his disciples that his destiny is to suffer grievously, to be rejected, to be delivered into the hands of his enemies, condemned to death, and yet to rise again. But, but the disciples have not heard, have not had ears to hear. They doubted Jesus' destiny. But Palm Sunday leads us 
to Good Friday. The honored Jesus that we see today is the humiliated Jesus we see on Friday. A great philosopher once wrote that to live is to suffer. The correct kind of love for Jesus has to contain a full glimpse of reality as well as endurance through suffering. Christian spirituality is the practice of living more than the projection of love. We rely on the Holy Spirit to lead us beyond superficial kinds of love into the kinds that endure. The Gospel of Mark describes the infatuation that many people had with Jesus as if he were a rock star. But the problem was not in a lack of love for Jesus. The problem was that it was just very superficial. We may not at, never adequately know or understand the sufferings of Jesus Christ. But we can see it as it reaches down through the centuries to the suffering of individuals and groups today. We do not adequately understand the humiliation of Jesus and the truth of dignity within indignity unless we see them in the lives of those who are otherwise judged among the humiliated today. Those upon whom this society imposes humiliation because we find them different from ourselves. Those whom we turn our suspicious stares, our demeaning glances towards. Those who are shamed in the name of order in society, pushed to the outside so that we may stand tall and pure. Those that are abandoned and no longer want to be seen. And those that we stigmatize with our self-righteous judgments. Palm Sunday shows us how often we misinterpret God's love as well as our love for God. The true measure of our love must compromise the capacity to extend ourselves in real acts of compassion toward the inflicted, forcing us to come out of ourselves. The shadow of Good Friday transforms the light of Palm Sunday. For only with them both together do we learn that dignity is sustained with integrity. That the forces of false judgment and suspicion, servile fear and violence, are indeed to be named for what they are and to be resisted even unto death. Through the death of Jesus, all death, is overwhelmed. Through the humiliations of Jesus, all humiliation can be transformed. 
This is not because of the death or the humiliation, but because of the love that was not broken. So the question is, are we content to enter with Jesus into the messiness of life? Or do we try to raise ourselves, Jesus and the church, above the messiness of life? It's a messy question. It's a messy way of ending a message. But Jesus went through the messiness. He went through the suffering and the humiliation. So I'll leave you with this poem. This poem that was written by Annabella Shilson Thomas. From One World, a worship resource book on social justice. It's entitled Pilgrim God. Pilgrim God, you trod where others dared not tread. You spoke for those whose voices were not heard and walked the way of the cross to lay claim to Golgotha. So lead us through the wilderness of of apathy that our footsteps become strides of purpose and our blind eyes become visions of a hope that with the landless of the earth we may enter Golgotha to songs of resurrection, feel its death pains turn into birth pangs, watch its dry land burst forth and bloom, and hear your pilgrim people rejoice and sing. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We all know how much Jesus not only loves us, but loves all of God's creation. So our hymn of invitation this morning is a a song by David Crowder Band entitled, How He Loves. So let us listen to how much Jesus loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Jesus suffered, was humiliated, crucified, died, and was put into a tomb. For us. So, people, this week I offer you this benediction. People of God, go together into this hard and holy week. Trust in God. Be filled with the Spirit and walk with Christ to the end. For Christ's times are in our hands now, as ours have been in His.
And may the forces of evil become confused on the way to your house. Amen.